Welcome to the TEFL Training Institute podcast, the bite-sized TEFL podcast for teachers, trainers, and managers. Hi everyone, welcome back to the podcast. This week we have Ian McGrath joining us. Ian has worked before as a professor in University of Nottingham, University of Hong Kong, and is currently based in the UK, working as a consultant. Ian is also the author of a fantastic book, which I highly recommend, called Materials Evaluation and Design for Language Teaching. And this episode of the podcast, I asked Ian about using materials in language teaching. So we spoke a bit about the effect that materials have on teaching, how materials affect teacher autonomy, and finally, how teachers can adapt materials to better help their students learn English. Enjoy the episode. Hi, and thanks for joining us. I wanted to start off by asking you about the effect that materials can have on teachers' teaching skills. And you've got a section near the beginning of your book uh, based around uh, an argument from Jack Richards. So I'll just quote to you from the bit from the book. It's been argued that if teaching decisions are largely based on the textbook and the teacher's book, this has the effect of de-skilling teachers. So how much do you agree with that argument? Well, I, I suppose it's a theoretical possibility, but I think that that rests on two assumptions that for example, the teacher has certain skills to begin with, which can be lost. Uh, and secondly, that he or she loses them because they're not required in order to teach with this particular book. Now, I haven't seen any evidence to support this notion of skill loss, but I do think there's a real danger that teachers who, let's say, who use the same book year in, year out, do lose interest in the material and that as a consequence, this loss of interest is communicated to students. I, I've observed a lot of teachers, and it, it's fairly obvious that enthusiastic teachers can energize and motivate students, whereas bored teachers are likely to bore their students. And I think once teachers have been teaching with materials for so long that they've lost interest in them, there is a danger that they, they start to become boring. And I guess the thing that Jack Richards doesn't really mention there is teachers who maybe just never develop those skills in the first place. That's a very good point, yeah. yeah. Anyway, you've got another nice quote in the book uh, from Cunningsworth, I think, which says, course books make good servants, but poor masters. So in your experience, who usually is the master or the servant in the classroom and why? Um, I, I think this takes us to teacher autonomy, and it, it, it depends on the mindset and the professionalism of the teacher. I think the teacher has to see the course book as a servant, although actually I prefer tool, resource, you know, one of the resources that can be used to bring about successful learning. So going back to the Jack Richards quote, course books might de-skill teachers or, or stop them from developing certain skills. Can the course book also disempower teachers? Well, if, if you accept, going back to the Collinsworth quote, if you accept the book as your master, then you disempower yourself. If, as a teacher, I think we have to remember that we also have relevant knowledge and experience that we can pass on to 
students and students themselves have knowledge that they can share. So why should we hand power over to the writer of a book who knows nothing about our students and their particular interests and needs? Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, as a teacher, you know your students, whereas the writer has probably never set foot in the school and possibly never even been to the, the country that you're teaching in, right? So does this also relate to the management of the school? I think in some contexts, the power isn't given away by the teachers so much. It's maybe given away by the management where managers maybe have placed a lot of faith, probably too much faith in the writers of the course book. Have you seen that sort of thing before? Um, yes, I have seen that situation. And I think that reduces the motivation of the teachers because they they aren't free to do what they feel they should be doing. And I think if teachers feel free to be responsive and creative, then, you know, th that makes every class different. You know, even if you're teaching the same teaching, uh, I'm using this in inverted commas as it were, teaching the same material, or let's say using the same material, you don't necessarily have to use it in exactly the same way with each class because the class itself will be different. So I think sometimes nowadays we see course books that just have a huge amount of detail in the teacher's notes. And I can personally remember using a teacher's book that virtually told you to stand up, walk across the room, pick up a pen before writing something on the whiteboard. Do, do you think that going into a lot of detail in those teaching notes... Is that useful help for novice teachers or is it something that's more constricting for experienced teachers? And really, how as a course book writer can you balance giving help to those different groups of teachers? Um, I, I don't blame um, teachers' books or publishers for this. I think they're obviously trying to sell as many books as they can. You know, there's a commercial motive. But I think, you know, the writers of these books are also trying to be helpful. Teachers have very different levels of professional awareness, obviously. And when you start out as a teacher, I think it's reassuring to be given a range of ready-made materials and suggestions for how to use them. I started teaching without having had any training. So for me, one of the teacher's books that I used was, in a sense, my trainer by, by following the suggestions in the book, I felt more secure about what I was doing. And over time, I felt free to to vary what I was doing. So I think it, it's, it's a lot to do with experience. When you feel confident enough to select from what's, what's being suggested, I think you will. And so I, I don't see the the mass of, of detailed procedures as an impediment to autonomy. For me, it's it's the suggestions are there to be used or not, depending on, on the teacher's own level of experience and confidence. It's almost like the opposite of de-skilling the teachers, like we mentioned at the beginning, where if it's a good course book, then hopefully it can act as a good example and, and almost like a, a teacher trainer for, for novice teachers. I think that also means that just as in teachers have to teach mixed ability classes and make the same materials work for both higher and lower level students, that materials writers also have to write for mixed abilities of teachers. Um, I think so. And with course books, I'm thinking of this, this is the core material. And then there are these possible branches off from this that you may choose to follow according to 
the needs, interests, um, capabilities of the, the class you're teaching. So, you know, it, it's clear to everyone what, what has to be done in a sense, but not necessarily how it has to be done. Um, but also there are these branching possibilities which one, one may be able to follow um, depending on also on the amount of time available. You know, I think course books are also written with a, a certain number of teaching hours in mind. There's often an expectation that you will, on the part of learners as well as management, that you will get through the book. So teachers inevitably have to make decisions about what they can include and what they can't include. So something else I wanted to ask you about, there's another nice quote about teachers finding that activities don't quite match their teaching style. And you said in that situation that teachers have a choice either to adapt the book or to adapt to the book. Do you want to tell us a bit about those options? I, I think it was Rod Belizo and Tony Wright who at one point used the term teaching against the grain. And the metaphor here is to the, the difficulty of cutting wood against the grain. And I think what they were trying to say is that sometimes we feel some discomfort with a particular course book text or an activity. And that, that discomfort may be due to um, either the fact that we don't see ourselves teaching comfortably in that way, or in the case of a text, there are, there are things in this text which don't suit culturally, let's say, the kind of group that we're working with. So basically, we have a choice to adapt the materials or to teach them as they are. So I think you can probably guess what my advice would be. Um, <laughs> it would be to adapt the materials, but at the same time, try to ensure that we don't lose sight of the intended learning outcome. So we're trying to achieve the same, let's say, linguistic objective, if, if it is a linguistic objective, but doing so using other materials or or other means. I think there's also a flip side to this though where sometimes it's only by trying something that we think isn't going to work maybe from a course book for example that we actually end up kind of getting out of our routine getting out of our comfort zone and actually putting ourselves in a position to learn. There may be a time and place for this. <laughs> I think if you're on a, a teacher training course you may feel more comfortable experimenting with something than in your own class where you know you're a bit concerned if something should go wrong about the the consequences of that again if going back to observation I, I think it's good to encourage people to try out things in an observation that they haven't necessarily done before because then they have somebody present who can talk them through that experience and say well it was great. It was fantastic. You, you did it perfectly, encouraging them to do it again. Or if it didn't work that well, to analyze why that was and how they might modify the approach to, to make it more effective the next time around. So finally, as, as someone who's both a teacher, teacher trainer, course book writer, how do you go about using a course book? Um, I think my my starting point is not the materials themselves, but what I think of as a course plan. So I, I've set, possibly in negotiation with the students, what I think would be appropriate learning outcomes within the time available. 
And then I've chosen a course book or a set of materials that I feel will help me to, to accomplish those uh, objectives. So let's say I, I have just one course book. I think the first process is to select from that those bits of the course book that will be directly helpful and, and useful and to decide what I'm not going to use. Even where I have selected things, I might feel the need to, to adapt them in certain ways. One possibility, obviously, is to, to exploit the material to get more out of it. So, I mean, if one takes the example of um, a text in the book, um, the, the text may be accompanied by a series of questions, usually the case. But I don't think one has to rely on the questions in the book. One can get learners to talk about the topic of the text and their own experience in, in relation to it. If there are pictures, again, they can comment on those pictures so that you're not necessarily using the material in the way that it's, it's laid down. You are developing it in certain ways. You're exploiting it. I think sometimes one might need to replace the material in a book with one's own material because one feels that, that that's more relevant to students' needs or, or even get learners to bring in materials themselves. I think one almost always has to supplement what's provided because, as we said earlier, no, no textbook is going to be perfect for the particular group you're teaching. So you're likely to have to add certain things to it. it. It may be that more practice is needed of a particular point, or you feel the need to include more communicative activities in your course, and so on. That was Ian McGrath. I highly recommend you check out the book Materials, Evaluation and Design for Language Learning. And we'll see you again next time, everyone. Goodbye. For more podcasts, videos and blogs, visit our website www.tefeltraininginstitute.com if you've got a question or a topic you'd like us to discuss, leave us a comment. And if you want to keep up to date with our latest content, add us on WeChat at TEFL Training Institute. And if you enjoyed our podcast, please rate us on iTunes. Mm-hmm.